Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there. And this is business, baby. Stuff You Should Know on impeachment. Yeah. Guilty. Uh... <laughs> how how are you doing first? Let's get the pleasantries out of the way. I'm doing well, and I want to give a shout-out at, at the head here, mm-hmm. uh, because just yesterday, in real time, I went over to my in-law's house mm-hmm. for my grandmother-in-law's 97th birthday. Aww. Happy birthday, Mary. Happy birthday, Mary. The lead general of the Stuff You Should Know Army. Uh, no, you're not on Facebook, so... uh Every year I put a happy birthday on the Stuff You Should Know page and have everyone chime in from where they are because she literally sits there and reads through like 600 comments from all over the world. Oh, that's cool. And it is like one of the best things for that's her. That's really great. It's really neat. So anyway, yeah. we're over there and my uh, my father-in-law, Steve, who is the best dude, comes up to me and says, uh, how about a show on impeachment? Oh, yeah? And he, he, you know, he didn't recommend, he knows better. He doesn't recommend shows, Uh topics, and he went, how about one on impeachment? And I went, wow, Steve, that's a great idea. I said, it is. Why haven't we done that yet? Because it's uh, relevant, as we will see at the end of our show today. We'll talk about kind of what's going on in today's terms. And it's just a really weird, uh, vaguely written, as it turns out, (laughs) <laughs> strange act American style. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they do it in other countries, but the way we do it is weird. I think it's just about as weird in other countries because it was uh, adopted either from the British or from the Americans, and we yeah. adopted it from the British. Yeah, it seems to have like been understood in Great Britain, but the framers of the Constitution didn't bother to ask what anybody meant. Huh. They just kind of borrowed it. So anyway, big shout out to Steve. All right, Steve. Good idea. For this idea. It's the summer of Steve. It's winter. (laughs) Although he's from Ohio, but now he's in Georgia, so it is like summer for him. I'm sure. All right, so Chuck, let's get down to this. Let's get down to impeachment. Are we going in the Wayback Machine right off the bat here? Do you want to go back to 1868? You want to start there? Well, you know I do. Okay, well, let's get in the Wayback Machine then. Because you know, I loved me the spring of 1868. It was a good one. <laughs> it sure was. That's funny you say that there's this really great short story from the 50s or 60s. I think it's it's like a horror short story called The Vintage Season. It's about like these future travelers who like in, in the future you can travel through time and find like the perfect spring or the perfect whatever. Oh, interesting. It's, it's pretty good. Huh. Check it out. All right. Okay. All right. Well, now let's get in the Wayback Machine. All right. Let's fire it up. Okay, so remember we're invisible. We can do anything. I know. I just I just uh booped Edmund Ross on the nose. Yeah, I just took off my shoes. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's that on my nose and what's that in my nose? <laughs> right. So there's this dude, that dude you just bopped on the nose, Edmund Ross. Senator. He's a senator actually. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of new. His, what is this? This is May of 1868. Just the previous July, he was appointed to his seat, 
um, as the senator, the junior senator of Kansas. He had like some experience in newspapers and that was his, his jam. No real political experience. And now all of the entire Senate is wondering, what is this guy going to do? Um, there, we're right in the middle of an impeachment trial. The actually, uh, the impeachment hearing of, uh, President Andrew Johnson, who is the successor of Abraham Lincoln, right? That's right. And so, uh, by December, after uh, the assassination of Lincoln in April of 65, mm-hmm. um, his own party was turning against him and saying, hey, we want to get this guy out of here. So let's, we, we haven't tried this impeachment thing on a president yet, and we're kind of eager to. Yeah, and you can make the case that he was kind of set up. The um, his own party turned on him. Totally set up. But the but the Republicans hated him out of the gate. The Republicans were the ones who were pushing Reconstruction and really wanted the South to pay for seceding and for the Civil War. Um, and Johnson was from Tennessee and wasn't having that. He vetoed a a bill that would have given like basic basic civil rights to black Americans. He was against the 14th Amendment. He he decided it should be up to the states to figure out how they wanted to handle the post-slavery laws, regardless of what that what effect that had on, on the former slaves. So he wasn't very well liked by the abolitionist Republicans, and they wanted to get rid of him. And the way that they did was to set up this new law, which was Patently unconstitutional. It was called the uh, what was it called? The you can't fire that dude law. What? Is, yeah, it's ba- that's basically the gist of it. Um, the Tenure Act, I believe, is what, the the Tenure of Office Act. So you know when when a president comes in and they appoint like cabinet members or you know a Supreme Court judge or something, they can pick the person, but the Senate has to either confirm them or say no, not this one, right? Right. So the, the Senate has confirmation powers in the president's ability to hire. The Constitution even says it in there. The Constitution doesn't say anything about firing those appointees. And so it had long been that the president could fire whoever of their appointees he wanted to, right? Yeah. So what the, what the radical Republicans did was pass a bill that said, you, if you hire somebody, if you appoint somebody, we get to confirm them. If you try to remove somebody, we you we have to approve that as well. And again, it was just it just flew in the face of the Constitution as we know it. And um, the uh, the right away, Andrew Johnson fired his Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, and um, he was impeached right out of, right out of the gate. That reminds me of when. That reminds me of when uh, earlier this year when. Jared Kushner was taking his first big tour of the White House after the election. Mm-hmm. Remember when he like met all the Obama employees and was like, "Oh, so like how many of these people are going to be staying on?" And they're like, "Nobody. <laughs> this wasn't a corporate takeover. You realize right. <laughs> it's not how government works." He's like, "Oh yeah, sure. Well, yeah." <laughs> no, like, I didn't hear about that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he just bought a company. He's like, oh, how many people are going to be staying around? <laughs> oh my, yeah. So, um, so now, so now Andrew Johnson is impeached. He's he's broken a law that Congress had just passed, and they they've impeached him. So, what's going on? Well, here's the deal. At the time, they uh, 
and you know, it's kind of like this now to a certain degree, but everybody knew how everyone was going to vote ahead of time. Um, except for him. So basically except for Ross, right? Yeah. Basically everybody n- knew the outcome, what the outcome was going to be except for Ross, meaning that he was the deciding vote. Like it was that slim of a margin. And so that's why he was so nervous. He was, he was just sitting there apparently just shredding this paper up as they were going around the room and everyone was saying guilty or not guilty because mm-hmm. you need two thirds of the Senate vote, uh, or a super majority to, to enact this impeachment. So he was just sitting there and no one knew what was going to happen. He stood up. He said he thought later on that he were facing death mm-hmm. and he said, <clears throat> not guilty. <laughs> and everyone sighed. And this article points out uh, they don't know if it was a sigh of relief or uh, upset, probably both, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. Yeah, the the whole thing's recounted really well in this book called Impeached by the historian David O. Stewart, um, which I think where this guy got this. But yeah, uh, he um, he he does a good job, like getting to the heart of the matter, which was. This guy, Edmund Ross, was from that moment on celebrated as this hero, this constitutional hero. Like he stood up and said, you know what? I'm not going to let the Constitution be railroaded because you guys don't like Andrew Johnson. And he's been kind of honored as that since then. Yeah. I've read a couple articles that are like, hmm. Actually, he was just looking out for himself. Johnson was his benefactor. And, right. Um, had basically appointed him and uh, he had a lot of favoritism with him. And this new guy who would have come in, I think Benjamin Ward would not have carried on the same thing. But regardless, if you are a constitutionalist, this guy is your hero because he did save the Constitution with that one vote. That's right. So what that what what took place was an impeachment proceeding. And that one was awfully close. That was the first impeachment proceeding of a U.S. president. But that would not be the last. There's been three more or two more presidents, three total. Yes. That have have faced down the impeachment gun uh, and there have been varying results. But as yet, there has never been a president that was successfully convicted once they've been impeached because impeachment is not conviction. It's a couple of different things. You want to take a break and then get into it? Yeah, because I don't want to confuse people right off the bat here any more than we need to. I think it's a little late for that. So we'll go gather our thoughts, take a little podcaster potty break. Be back right after this. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. All right, should we talk about French and Latin real quick? Yes. Uh, because the roots of words are always fun to talk about. The French word impeccable means to prevent, mm-hmm. uh, related to the English word impede, and both originally derived from the Latin term impedicale. <laughs> Man, your French is just so romantic. And that means to fetter. So basically what impeachment root-wise means is to put a stop to movement of something. In this case, uh, the uh, and not always the president, as we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, any um, was it any elected official? Uh, any, any federal civil civil officer is what they finally landed on. Okay, 
But yeah, like a federal official, somebody who is appointed by the president, the president, the vice president, um, judges typically, yeah. but not senators or co- uh, Congress people. They can just be run out of town on a on a bale of hay. There's the yeah, they basically yeah. Yeah. Man, once you see that bale of hay coming, yeah, exactly. and you know that it it tolls for thee, you know the tar is right behind it. That's a bad day for you. Um all right, so the origins of impeachment though pre-United States, um so we're talking British legal history here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a dude named TFT Plunkett Plucknet. Interesting. Mhm. Plucknet. Uh, he, He's a 1940s historian. I guess so. Uh, I could have sworn it was Plunkett. So TFT Plucknett says that um, 14th century parliament was the first time impeachment uh, came about. And during that time, there were a couple of different uh, cases over like an 11-year period that had a pretty big shift from one to the next that would kind of frame how impeachment works. Right. So at the time, back then in, in the uh, 14th century, right? Yeah. The, um, the king could appoint, there were all manner of like positions that the king could appoint. And once you were appointed by the king, that was it. You only answered to the king. Yeah. You could do anything you wanted. And as long as you had the king's favor, mm-hmm. there was nothing anyone could do. So um, at one point, and I'm not sure how they took it upon themselves, but this article says that it grew out of a trial of Roger Mortimer, who was convicted and um, executed for arranging the murder of King Edward II. Yeah, that counts. And then uh, Chief Justice Willoughby, uh, who was accused of corruption and tried, um, these two guys were like high-appointed officials, and they were removed from office. And the way that they were removed was basically the parliament got involved. So this idea of impeaching people grew out of the the notion that, wait a minute, parliament, and specifically the House of Commons, which is if you take parliament and uh, Congress in the United States, <clears throat> the House of Lords is like the Senate, and the House of Commons is like the House of Representatives, right? Um, the House of Commons were the ones who would take it upon themselves to say, this person is bad and we're going to get rid of them. We're going to act as their jury and try them and remove them from their appointed position. And King, there's nothing you can do about it because we're the ones who hold the purse strings, really. So you better go along with this. And this idea of impeaching was huge. It was revolutionary. In, in Great Britain, and it was equally revolutionary in, in the founding of the United States, too, because if you'll remember, the United States was founded at a time where Americans were very, very wary of kings pushing them around. And in the Constitution is this role, this office of the presidency, which is a very strong executive ruler, a king almost. Um, and there's a, a, a legal scholar, Cass Sunstein, who wrote this great article about all this, about impeachment. And he says a lot of historians agree that the Constitution probably wouldn't have been ratified if these f- few words about impeachment hadn't been added into the Constitution to give Americans the power to remove a corrupt president from office. Yeah, I mean, they it was almost I mean, it ended up being very important, but it was almost an afterthought in how they went about it. Because up front they weren't saying, hey, we need to really like make sure we include this impeachment thing in here. They're worried about framing the U.S. Constitution. And then at the end, Ben Franklin very famously said, hey, you know, without impeachment, you know what 
you know what? The only other thing we can do is, <laughs> is, uh, if we get a bad president is shoot him in the head. And they went, Oh, well, that won't do bully, bully to that. So maybe we should, we should write something down. I know we're all tired. We've been working on this document for 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> they had fatigue and they, uh, so they ended up saying, uh, over what, 180 words. And I think it was actually less than that. I don't know oh, where really? this guy came up with that. Yeah. All right. Well, seven sentences. No, it's even less than that. Really? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I counted four run-on sentences, that, well. two of which included colons. But that, I mean, it's a sentence, four sentences, and 103 okay. words says Microsoft Word. Really? Yeah. Well, they didn't have Microsoft Word back then, so. <laughs> right. All right, so regardless of how long it was, it was short. And <laughs> it was, uh, here's the thing, it was, it was written in a very vague language, which ended up being very troublesome because they weren't quite sure. I think they didn't want to hem themselves in too much is is my feeling on exactly what it would take to, to start this process. Like, uh, so initially they called it, uh, it was a George Mason called it, um, mal maladministration. Right. In other words, just being a bad president. Yeah, and they they took that out. There was a couple of reasons why they said no. This is a little, it's a little vague. But later constitutional scholars have interpreted the fact that it was suggested and removed that the the framers of the Constitution didn't consider not being a very good president as a reason to be removed from office. Right, it, James it, it Madison needed, at the very least said this is just really unclear as to what this can even mean. Sure. So maladministration comes out. They hit upon, and I'm not sure if they hit upon it right out of the gate or if it came later, but they hit upon bribery and treason, which there's no issues with that. Everyone knows what bribery is. Everyone knows what treason is. It's pretty clear. Yeah. But they they're still like are saying, no, this isn't, it's still not quite there. James Mason spoke up again. He said, you can really screw with the, the democracy of America even without taking bribes, even without committing a, a statutory treasonous act. So right. maybe we need to add something. So that's when he came up with maladministration and said, no, no, that's stupid. But then they came up with something else. Yeah, he finally said, because, again, they didn't want to be hemmed in too much, but they also didn't want to be so specific with just bribery and treason that that was the only thing that you could use uh, uh, impeachment for. So he finally said, all right, good God, it's late <laughs> <laughs> what about high crimes and misdemeanors? And then went, oh, and everyone perfect. Went, yeah, that's great. Well, no one even knows what it means. It'll be perfect. What's funny is no one, no one now knows what it means. But apparently, it was quite clear what it meant at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, so supposedly, high crime is it doesn't mean like, oh my god, that's that's such a huge crime. Or that's oh, the, I'm the super stoned. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, they did grow hemp, by the way. Yes. Um, but the, the, a high crime or a high misdemeanor is, a, it's a type of crime that can only be committed by a high person, aka an elected or federal official. Yeah, but that's it's what still the high just, part means. It's still just a crime or a misdemeanor. Like, I think it's still vague. So the, okay. So later, later scholars have interpreted high crimes and misdemeanors to mean, it's a it's a crime or a misdemeanor that is carried out and can only be carried out by somebody in an elected position. So it's a betrayal of the public trust that an elected okay. uh, or federal official is given. Okay, 
And that the crimes part that throws people off, a high crime can be, um, uh, it doesn't have to be an actual crime. Okay, so you can be impeached for a high crime that if you go and read the U.S. code is not actually a federal crime. Right. You're not breaking the law, but you could still be impeached for it, even though it's not an actual crime. And then conversely, an actual crime isn't necessarily an impeachable offense. That what the framers were trying to get at here was that the the president or the vice president or whoever was being impeached had betrayed the public trust, had used their elected position, their uh, high position in a way that was that rendered them unfit to serve any longer. They could not be trusted any longer. They had proven themselves a a lech, uh, a terrible person and had had discharged their duties as president in a in a malodorous way. <laughs> Said the guy whose shoes are off in Congress. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that cleared the room, man, pretty quick. Nice work. It's like uh, Elizabeth Warren taking the taking to the podium, <laughs> right? When people, she takes her shoes off, people clear out of there. Or she's had like onions for lunch. That uh, lady will just eat a whole <laughs> onion raw. Have you ever seen it? It's amazing. Where did I see that recently? A whole onion raw? No, it was, like a, raw onion? it was like a movie or something. Oh, I know what it was. The movie that was the kid was hung over, and the parent comes in the next morning, and they're like, "Here, like eat this onion. Trust me." And the kid starts to eat the onion, and they're like, "Just kidding." <laughs> God, what, what I can't, movie remember, was I can't remember what movie it was. Back to the Future Two. Yeah, that was it. Okay. When Marty Marty's hangover. That was the full <laughs> name. Back to the Future Two. Marty's hangover. <laughs> colon the onion <laughs> um so here's the deal though with it, it, it's one of two things though when it comes to impeachment it's either literally a crime but it doesn't have to be right. and if it's not a crime literally then it's probably something political going right. on in that it is they feel that it is subverting the office of the president right that's the general interpretation. But again, I mean, like they didn't say high crimes and demeanor or high crimes and misdemeanors <laughs> asterisks. Right? right. And then define that. Right. So it's open to interpretation. Yes. And it still is today, which is why unless you are a president or a vice president and have been actually caught um, accepting bribes or committing treason, there's a lot of, of wiggle room for you to get out of this. Yeah, and impeachment doesn't send you to jail. Like you can then be tried for treason, mm-hmm. and that would could send you to jail. Yeah, it specifically says in the Constitution that this is strictly to remove the person from office, possibly to prevent them from ever holding federal office again. Right. But that you have to leave it to the regular courts to um, to try and punish them if it's an actual crime separately. That's different. Right. But it's weird because the impeachment process, as we'll see, is very much like a uh, trial, a kangaroo court trial, basically. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay. So if you're impeached, if you're a president and you uh, do something that enough people in the House of Representatives find unsavory, you may find yourself facing impeachment. Usually that means the the people in the House of Representatives are uh, representatives are in a different political party than your own, usually. Yes, you would have to be pretty bad for your own party to be the ones who drew up the articles of impeachment to start, right? Correct. So with the articles of impeachment, 
it, it can be introduced. Typically these days, from what I understand, there's a judiciary, judiciary committee in the House, and they will be responsible for drumming up uh, the articles of impeachment and then introducing them to the House as a whole. But an individual representative can come up with uh, articles of impeachment himself or herself and introduce it on the House floor to be voted uh, one way or another, which just happened, actually, uh, at the beginning of December. Yes. Um, as a lone representative, Al King, I think, from Texas, introduced articles of impeachment, and it got voted down. So you can do it yourself as just a just a lone dude or dudess, um, but normally it's the Judiciary Committee, I think because the parties tend to try to keep a stranglehold on stuff like that. Yeah, and, and like even with this case, the Democrats were like, easy, easy, Al. Like, right. Just uh, settle down. We're, we're going to get there. But uh, Al was like, I hate him so much. <laughs> too early. Too early, Al. Stand down. <laughs> so as Al stalks off, but the process continues apparently under more normal circumstances. But he was a great example that any – any representative can introduce articles of impeachment. And an article of impeachment, Chuck, is you, like uh, presidents who have been impeached have had, I believe, Johnson too, but definitely Nixon and Clinton. Um, and now uh, Trump, he wasn't impeached, but he's had articles of impeachment brought up against him, which is significant in and of itself. Because what it's saying is we are accusing this president of this crime. And each crime or each betrayal of office, whatever you want to call it, each high crime and misdemeanor or each actual crime, it gets its own article of impeachment. So very frequently, a president will be impeached with multiple articles of impeachment and the House is forced to vote on each one. Yeah. So so if you if you have like five, that means there's five chances that that president can be impeached depending on the evidence. And so each impeachment, each article of impeachment is going to say this is what the president did. Here's all the evidence that backs up us saying this. Um, and House, what do you think? And then right. the House will vote on it. Uh, that was Al Green, by the way, not Al King. Oh, sorry. It was legendary soul singer Al Green. <laughs> <laughs> it was Al Green. It wasn't Al King. Well, his name is Al Green. Yeah. But it wasn't legendary soul singer. Okay. Right, sure. Yeah. Um, so if the vote gets the majority, then the president is officially impeached at that point. Um, which, yeah, and it's just a simple majority, 51%. Yeah, in the House. And that means that – basically that means that it's a, it's like a criminal indictment um, if we're going to be comparing it to like you know the, the civilian legal standard. Mm-hmm. So uh, you are officially accused of this wrongdoing, which could mean you could be removed from office officially – if the House is voted with a simple majority. Uh, but it's not over because then what happens is it moves over to the Senate. And at that point, uh, that's where you need the two-thirds majority in order to finish the prosecution. And here's the thing is they didn't – like I said, it was a very uh, kind of short um, uh, insert as far as how to go about this. So there there aren't any like hard and fast rules. So whenever this has happened, they're kind of just like, all right, how do you want to do this? Right. Um, we're not going to have prosecutors. We're going to have what we call managers, which is a weird word for sure. Uh, but they're going to act as prosecutors and they're going to be called to argue the case before the Senate. And these are members of the House who are managing the impeachment proceedings in the Senate on behalf of the House. Correct. Because so, the House has said, we, the House, think this president should be removed. And now we're going to send some of our members to argue this case. Yes. And the Senate is essentially the jury at this point in the proceedings. 
Right, but they're the jury, and they're also the ones who are making up the rules. They're in charge of that as well. Which is very strange. <laughs> it is. You want to hear it, something uh, kind of fun? What? Yeah. My uncle was a manager for Clinton's impeachment trial. No. Bob Barr's your uncle? No, not Bob Barr. There are, there are several managers. Uh, my uncle, Ed Bryant. Really? Yeah, I've talked about him before. He's a Republican congressman from Tennessee, and he was one of the managers because he was an attorney and a former um, Army judge advocate general. And mm-hmm. Judge advocate general? Is that what he was? Mm-hmm. JAG. Was he a JAG? Well, that's what it stands for. I or know, that's but the I, abbreviation. I can't remember now. Maybe I'm just thinking of the TV show. <laughs> but he held the, the legal position in the Army. Uh, and then was well, one that of, would be Navy, I think, or the Jags, right? Oh, I don't know. He was in the army, though. Okay, go ahead. But he was one of the managers in the in the Clinton impeachment. Um, that is fascinating trial. And he, and I got to say, like Uncle Ed and I are are politically divergent, but he's a good dude and an honest, like kind man. I can say that for sure. Uh, so I was always proud of him as a person, even though we didn't like see eye to eye politically. But he was. Um, He's such a good guy that Monica Lewinsky requested him personally uh, to depose her because he was just regarded as, like, one of the good guys and one of the, like, fair, like, decent humans. So he was the guy who deposed Monica Lewinsky for the Clinton impeachment trial. My father's brother. He needs a (laughs) T-shirt that says that, man. Right. That's crazy. I know, isn't it? Wow. So how does he feel about it? Because most um, – I shouldn't say most – a significant number of legal scholars and historians look back at that and the Andrew Johnson one and say those impeachment proceedings never should have happened, never should have passed the House, and that they were partisan proceedings. Yeah, I don't know. You know, we're we're not super in touch anymore, but now that I'm older, I would love to pick his brain a little bit about yeah. this, uh, and hey, I'm sure man. he would spill it, you know. Conference me in. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I'll like at the next Christmas, I'll be like, yeah, Uncle Eddie, just um, hold on a minute. I'm just going to put this phone down next to you <laughs> right. and don't pay attention to that uh, picture of Josh. Right. As his avatar. And I'll be like, did you get my T-shirt I sent you? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty interesting. So That's um, fascinating. Yeah. I know, right? So at any rate, the managers uh, are there arguing the case before the Senate, who acts as jury, that are also making up the rules as they go. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Two-thirds, like we said a couple of times, you need that two-thirds Senate vote. And then at that point, if two-thirds vote guilty, then that's it, man. The president oh, is, yeah, you're is out. done. Yeah, and then the vice president takes over, and um, that's that. You probably can't hold a federal office again after that either, although I don't think it's automatic. Right. So let's – should we take a break? <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's take a break, and we'll talk about – uh, we've already talked about Johnson. We'll talk a little bit more about Mr. Bill Clinton and President Richard Milhouse Nixon. Right after this. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Okay, Chuck. Yes. So, like you said, we talked about Johnson. He got off by one vote, man. That must have been so tense. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, up next was so president wise, we'll find that there are plenty of other people who've been impeached. But in the United States, president wise, the next president was Richard Milhouse Nixon. Yeah, it was a long break in between. Yeah, over 100 years, like 104 years, I think, something like that. Yeah. So Nixon is getting his own episode. We're doing a, a Watergate episode, hopefully in the not too distant future. For sure. Such a fascinating case. Yeah, man. So, um, well, but the whole the whole premise of what Nixon was eventually moved out of office for what he he didn't actually get impeached. He resigned, but he probably would have been removed from office. He probably would have been impeached. He probably would have been convicted, and he would have been removed. But he didn't give him the satisfaction. He resigned. (laughs) But he he went. This was just in a few weeks. He won the uh, election. By an enormous margin, um, the Electoral College vote was 520 Nixon, 17 McGovern. 17, 520 to 17. That's what, that's the landslide that he won re-election with. And within a few weeks, he was, he was out of office. And it was all because of that Watergate break-in. And it wasn't even necessarily the break-in, which was bad enough that like some, uh, operatives from the White House broke into Democratic headquarters in the Watergate Hotel and were caught trying to replace the phone tap that they had on the phone. Um, and it turned out that it was traced back to the to the White House. The president probably had involvement. That's bad enough. But the cover up is what ultimately led to Nixon being railroaded out of out of the White House. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like you said, he, it, the writing was on the wall and he said, well, you know what? I quit. I resign. And everyone went, oh, man. I know. <laughs> we really wanted we, to impeach you. We brought the bale of hay and everything. <laughs> I mean, I saw uh, All the President's Men again the other day for the first time in a while. So great. Such man. a good movie. So um, so Nixon was – he's a pretty pretty instructive example as well. Like he had multiple articles of impeachment against him. One was tax evasion. When he was president, he failed to, to pay like 400 grand in taxes, which is like $2.6 today. Yeah. Which that's a substantial amount of money. Plus he was president when he failed to pay those taxes. So <laughs> Crazy. He, he didn't get – he again, he was never – they didn't get to the point where they voted on the articles of impeachment. But that was one against him. Obstructing justice was one. Using the office to um, obstruct justice was a big one. He had like a hand-picked CIA task force um, that was trying to keep the FBI from investigating Watergate. So he had a lot of different articles of impeachment against him, and surely one of them would have stuck and he would have been removed. But then after Nixon, it was 1972, up comes Clinton about 20, I think 26 years later. Wasn't it 1998? Mm, I think, yeah, 97, 98. Okay. Well, it depends on, you know, the whole the whole kit and caboodle was over a couple of years for sure. Right. So Clinton was up next. Yes. And uh, very famously, he um, he did not get impeached because he uh, did bad things in the White House with Monica Lewinsky. He was impeached because he perjured himself. Uh, very famously said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Uh, Man, that was good. Did Uncle Ed, I'll bet Uncle Eddie does a good Clinton too. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember in college, in uh, actually just post college, I remember Bill Clinton looking America in the eye on television and lying to all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, very disappointing. And he was a man in power who uh, used that power to 
some people say take advantage of uh, a younger coworker. Uh, other people say, you know, it was a consensual relationship, but he was the president and she was a political junkie. So sure, and draw uh, your also, conclusions. He also was accused of trying to get her to – she was a witness. Monica Lewinsky was a witness in a sexual harassment case against him by Paula Jones. And he was he was accused of trying to get her to lie for him as a witness, yeah. which is big time obstructing justice, especially if you're president. Um, and so if you if you look at it in that light, was he having that relationship with Lewinsky to influence her to – lie to the jury, right? which makes it doubly worse, somehow triply or quadruply worse even. Yeah. So there was, um, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of beef against him. I mean, the stink from that mess affected this most recent election, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, like the Clintons have a, a pretty bad, uh, rep still from that yeah. uh, among certain parties, pretty, pretty extensive parties, I would say. And earned, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I remember being very upset that Bill Clinton lied to my face. Well, that's not why he was um, – he didn't perjure to the American people. He, he 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 lied to a grand jury as well under oath. Oh, yeah, but he said the same thing to the grand juries. He said sure. to our faces. Yeah. But I remember yeah, no. feeling especially let down because he looked me in the eye. <laughs> right. You know, like when a president – is facing camera and says something very seriously like that, uh, they're talking to you. They're talking to their constituents. Like, it's a personal relationship. I remember being just really upset about the whole thing. Well, okay. I didn't, (laughs) I don't think I felt quite like that. Oh, really? Yeah, I just assumed, I just assumed he was lying. Really? Yeah, he's president. Oh, man, I believed him. I was, I was much more naive in my younger days. Well, I think it's sweet, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, that's Slick Willie, always with the smooth talk. That's right. Tricky Dick and Slick Willie. <laughs> yeah. We need to stop electing people with those nicknames. Right. <laughs> no, we're just asking for it. What about, what about Honorable Frank? Why didn't he ever get elected? <laughs> he doesn't have any campaign money. So, uh, okay. So Clinton escaped. Fi- the, the vote was 50-50. Um, the which, Senate uh, vote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was actually impeached. Like uh, Andrew Johnson was, and they did. It did come up to vote. The articles of impeachment came up to vote, and they were. It was fifty-fifty, which was pretty close to party lines. Um, I think five Republicans, five Democrats voted for impeachment, and ten Republicans voted against. I, I can't remember, but it was very close to party lines. It was ten Republicans voted for acquittal. Um, two of which are still there. Uh, Susan Collins of Maine. She was a. A brand new, either freshman or sophomore senator, wow. and uh, Richard Shelby of Alabama, wow, is still there. So, uh, and they voted against acquittal. They voted or for they voted acquittal against impeachment. I should say. Yeah, yeah, they were one conviction. of the two of the ten Republicans. So, uh, so Clinton, Clinton made it out. And I was reading this. There's this really fascinating 538 blog about. Um, I think it's called "Will Trump Be Impeached." Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's 538, so they've got all this data and everything to back up what they're saying. So they, they were saying one of the, one of the sure signs that, uh, an impeachment's probably not going to go through is like how divided the parties are. If the parties are, are, um. Oh, within themselves? 
No, no, between the two. Oh, oh, oh. Like, if you're probably going to have a party line vote, it's probably yeah. people pro- People aren't going to defect enough to actually vote for impeachment. Or if they do, they're not going to defect enough to vote for um, for conviction in the Senate. Right. And, and that was the case yeah. of Clinton. Right, right, right. But today it would take Republican s- senators to say, to get together and say, hey, Maybe we can get this guy out of here and get uh, Pence in there, and like com- and commit, uh, you know, what's it called on a ship? Mutiny. Commit mutiny. Yeah, it almost. I mean, with the introduction of Pence out of nowhere, it definitely seemed like that was Plan B from the party all along. Right. I would not be at all surprised if that actually happened. I don't think very many people would be surprised if that happened. But I saw the in that same five thirty eight blog. There's um like a betting odds website uh, yeah. that they cited that that gave like even odds that Trump would um would not finish out his full four year term. Uh-huh. Which is that's pretty significant, you know? Fifty 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 chance. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my call from the beginning was that he would not finish out his four year term because he would resign. He would not allow himself to be impeached. I don't think so either. Is that he would resign and claim to be a victim of uh, the political system and basically say, I told you all along it was the swamp. I couldn't drain it. Now I'm a victim of it. I Man, so P.T. Barnum played by um, – <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Uh-huh. Um, Jared from Subway. Jared from Subway. <laughs> And then now this one. If this goes through, just call me Nostrochuckus from now on. Oh, man. <laughs> That's not bad. So I got, there's. I have two T-shirts to buy now. <laughs> uh, there's a very um, interesting. And the reason I said that, that this is right after he got elected was because I was like, I don't think he really wants to be president for four years. I read that in multiple places that he is. He's not. He doesn't actually enjoy the actual presidency. Yeah, and and from what I've heard he gets very bored with doing the same thing and politics is certainly not the way he's used to doing business and like I was just like man the guy's going to get tired of this after a couple of years and just want to go back to his cushy civilian life. Mm-hmm. Uh and then be a be a martyr, a political martyr and say, "Yeah, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, so I'm a victim." Mm-hmm. So that's Chuck's call. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so so if, so Trump hasn't been impeached yet, but they, they've already brought it up. It sounds like, although it kind of waxed and waned in early December, uh, all of the, especially the left-leaning um, news outlets were like, impeachment? Yeah. People are actually talking about impeachment. It's probably going to happen Settle now. Down, and then if you look like a week later, all of those articles are gone. They yeah. just moved on to something else, right? Which is pretty ridiculous, but the status quo these days. So... um who knows what's going to happen with Trump? But the chances of him actually being impeached and convicted are extraordinarily low because he's president, right? That's just such an enormous thing to remove a president from office. Yeah. What's not quite as enormous is to remove a federal judge, which is why out of the 60 people in the United States who have ever been impeached, I think it's even more than 60, um, and convicted – which is down to 15, mm-hmm. all of those, I believe, were federal judges. Correct. Um, they were, you know, you name it. They were uh, DUI drunks or drunk in court 
yeah. or, or tax evaders or accepted bribes or perjured themselves. Like, yeah, federal judges have uh, have sort of carried the mantle for impeachment, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and in a really weird way, they are laying their impeachment trials have laid the groundwork for the big ones that you see. Like, yeah, the precedent. Yeah, I'm sure if you asked your uncle, he would tell you that, yeah, they went back and looked at impeachment trials for federal judges to see, you know, what procedures were used and followed and what the rules were. So these the impeachment of federal judges who were drunk on the bench are paving the groundwork for for presidents to be impeached with, you know, impeached by. Um, And then there was the senator, William Blunt from North Carolina. He was the only senator to ever be impeached, and his trial actually established that senators and representatives couldn't be impeached. They were immune to impeachment because they weren't civil officers, Mm. that instead their own party could run them or their own body. I'm sorry. So if you were a senator, two thirds of the Senate could vote for you to get out of the Senate. If you were a representative, two thirds of the House could vote for you to get out of the House. And that's what they did to Blunt. They said, we can't impeach you, but we can use this other thing. Right. And and it's basically like a vote of no confidence, which also comes from Parliament as well. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, this week in real time, uh, this will already have happened by the time this is released. But I think tomorrow uh, there is a special election within the Democratic Party on uh, who will be the top Democrat on the House Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to happen in the midterms. But uh, when Democratic Representative John Conyers uh, stepped down over sexual harassment allegations a couple of weeks ago, um, they had to hold a special caucus for an election that's going to happen tomorrow. And uh, it looks like two people, either Jerry Nadler of New York or Zoe Lofgren of California, mm-hmm. are the top two competing for this top spot. And they're both well aware that um, what that means. Uh, in this article here, it's called The Battle to Lead Trump's Potential Impeachment. Um, they know what they're – it says they're signing up to be Trump's chief antagonist. Uh, but they also said, hey, listen – we're not going to go in there and just say, start saying impeachment, impeachment. Like, if this is ever going to happen, it's got to be the will. We have to feel like it's the will of the American people. Like, we have to feel like there are enough Trump supporters out there that have turned on him because of something he's done. Well, yeah. Or that, else it'll it'll be like what you said, where it's, it's you've just proven everything the guy said from the moment he started um, campaigning. Right. That they're that just the, out to the, get them from the yeah. beginning. And that the elites have it so rigged that even if you do win, they'll just get rid of you. Yeah. I mean, one of them, Nadler even said there's not some, there's not much point in impeaching a president and having him acquitted in the Senate because that's what happened with Clinton. And mm-hmm. like you said, even Republicans largely look back and say, of course, that was just a big distracting waste of time. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I've read as well is that they, they, it's not looked upon as the finest moment in uh, legal um, American legal history. Yeah. So we'll, we'll know the outcome tomorrow in real time. And, and both of them are kind of on the same page as, as far as that goes. They're like, we need, it needs to be something like legit worth impeaching a president for that mm-hmm. most of the American people would agree with. Uh, we're not just out to get him, but if he does something, we're out to get him. <laughs> or if we find something that he's already done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, there you have it. Yeah, if it turns out that he um, did obstruct anything, uh, that that would be a big deal. Well, two the the two of the three presidents who have been impeached were 
had at least articles of impeachment that included obstruction uh, against them. Yeah, but his his attorneys are saying have literally said the president can't be guilty of obstruction of justice because they are justice. That's the most ridiculous legal interpretation I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to go on record as saying that. <laughs> as saying they're above the law. I I am the law. That's, That's what it says. I know. How can I obstruct the law? I'm the law. I crush. At Hulk any smash. rate, we should probably stop now. Yes. All right. Well, if you want to know more about impeachment, uh, you can type that word into the Internet and uh, some really interesting stuff. I mean, a lot of it is bone dry, yeah. but like people are really into like the legal history and um, constitutional interpretation. Sure. So you can find some pretty interesting articles all around the internet on stuff like this. So just give it a shot. See if it's a, if it's up your alley. Yeah, and at the very least, if this does happen to play out over the next couple of years, it, you know, it's good to know how it all works. You know. Exactly. Exactly. You can impress your friends. Yeah, it could be like they're, they're never going to get a super majority, and your friends will be like, "What did you just say? I know. What magic word was what that? What does this have to do with comic books?" <laughs> so, uh, since Chuck said comic books, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is follow up on cakes. Uh, hey guys, listen to episode on cakes. Thought you'd might to like uh, might like to know a little bit more about the color of red velvet cakes. I'm an experienced amateur baker. Mm-hmm. Who's tested several uh, several red velvet recipes? Learned and we'll now <laughs> mail some down to Josh and Chuck. That's right. Uh, it's true that red velvet cake originally got their color from the chemical reaction of the cocoa, vinegar, and buttermilk. That is no longer the case. The way cocoa is processed has changed since the recipe was invented. So if you rely on the chemical reaction for the color, you will be sorely disappointed. Your cake will simply be brown, but it will be nothing like the red we have come to expect from red velvet cakes. Hmm. Uh, originally, red velvet cakes were more of a rust color than the bright red we think of now. Uh, the cacao in the cake, cocoa? The tattoo. <laughs> the tattoo on the cake <laughs> uh, also is minimal in comparison to a chocolate cake. Uh, cocoa was originally added to cut the flour, create a silkier, less glutinous texture, huh. rather than create a chocolate cake. Uh, velvet cakes using vinegar, I guess that's where the velvet comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, using vinegar as a rising agent have a long, has a long tradition in American baking and is not reserved only for red velvet cakes. Also, you mentioned banana bread with some confusion over aged mushy bananas. And a lot of people wrote in about this. I'm, yeah. I'm just a dummy. I didn't get it. Uh, bananas are softer. It cuts back on the work of the baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, bananas naturally sweeten as they ripe. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. It makes yeah, so sense. I guess they're just so sugary and, and sweet once they get black like that. You get little fuzzy sweaters on your teeth when you bite into them. They're that sweet. I remember the first time I heard that expression, sweaters <laughs> on your teeth, and I was like, oh, my God, that's it. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, blah, 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 baking, baking, baking. Nice. Who was that from? Uh, Diana. By the way, she says if you're not adding chocolate chips to your banana nut bread, then you're doing it wrong. Huh. And then she says best wishes from Diana Garten. Thanks a lot, Diana. That's very nice of you. Please do send us some baked goods. Yes. I'm not joking at all. Uh, if you want to send us some baked goods or just say hi or whatever, who cares? You can tweet to us at Josh Um Clark or SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know or slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. <laughs> 
this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>